I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefra Jamian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we are talking all about beef. Moo. Moo, moo. Beef, of course, is the culinary name for meat from a cow. Or a, not just cow, but, you know, a cattle or a, a steer. Moo. Basically, as long as it's a grown-up a grown-up cow, it's beef. Moo. If it's a little, little baby cow, it's veal. We're not talking moo. about veal today. Just beef. So, Tefra, what do you know about beef? What's your what's your beef background? Do you know beef? How much do you know beef? <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I have known beef. <laughs> Biblically, <laughs> I uh, I I like beef. Beef is one of my favorite meats. I did not grow up eating a lot of meat in general, mm-hmm. but like beef was like so. Beef was very special. Like if we had pasta sauce with ground beef in it, it was like special and it was always what I asked for it was like I always wanted ground beef I do have like a memory of I don't know if this is actually the first time I ate a steak but I have a like formative beef memory all right tell me about your FBM so uh we were on a camping trip we camped a lot and this particular camping trip was actually a um camping trip across Canada and the U.S. to go visit family in Seattle and California. So we were driving from like the Ottawa area across Canada down Mm. the coast. So it was very long. We were on the road for like five weeks. I think it was like a long time. It can't have been five weeks like in retrospect. That would be insane. But it was a long drive. In the car, eating a lot of granola bars, like handmade granola bars, like homemade mm-hmm. granola bars, a lot of just like granola, um, <laughs> a lot of sandwiches, a lot of like uh, not carefully prepared food, sure. right? And so one day we're at a campsite and my dad gets steaks from the grocery store. And these were like, I mean, there were five of us kids on this trip these were the cheapest thinnest steaks you can get at the grocery store sure yeah uh but he was like super excited about grilling steaks on the fire and what i remember is that we were in bear country um mm. and so he gave us a very stern lecture about like not dropping any because we were eating meat in bear country and we had to be <laughs> super careful and we were in this like remote campsite somewhere <laughs> in I think it was BC but I genuinely don't know and so that's the first time I remember having steak was like steak cooked over the fire 
overcooked as hell super tough (laughs) you have to make it as unappealing for the bears as possible yeah yeah it was really but i remember just being like damn this is good (laughs) while i chewed it eight thousand times with my five-year-old teeth sure yeah um but the other thing i remember was that i did drop a little bit and i was too scared to tell anybody (laughs) So, because uh, we had been told not to. So I just spent that whole night, like, unable to sleep because I was terrified that I had lured bears to our campsite and we were all going to get mauled. And that is my FBM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. I-, I think for me growing up, beef was less of a treat and more of a, like, regular staple. Um, like, we we didn't try to avoid meat too much. We ate a lot of it. We usually did eat the cheaper stuff. Like, I... I have my own FBM of like the first time that I had a a really good steak because I think I grew up like I grew up poor enough that for me steak was like thin and usually gray by the time it was cooked and like not that exciting you know a little chewy yeah Yeah. Um, and like there's no shade to that like that kind of that cut of beef has you know its purpose like that can be yummy it's great in like fajitas and things like that. But I hadn't had like a real steak steak mm-hmm. until I was a teenager. And uh, there was this pastor who I was friends with at the time who uh, lived in like, you know, Ridgewood, that street that goes up co- like near Cote St. Luke or Cote Neige Cemetery. Uh, it's like right yeah. behind the oratory. And it's basically for anyone who's not familiar with it, a cul-de-sac on a like 60 degree slope yeah. <laughs> like you have to you have to really hoof it if you want to get to the top of this thing uh and there's it's it's so steep and so long that there's actually a bus that's whole route is just from the bottom of it <laughs> up to the top and back down that leaves every like half hour or so um and he lived in the top building at the top of that that cul-de-sac mm-hmm. uh and we went up onto I can't remember if we went on the roof or just to his balcony, but like it was on the top floor, so it didn't really matter. Uh, And he made steak on the grill and it was like a perfect medium rare steak and it smelled heavenly and it was like a ribeye or something, you know, like a good steak. And that was, I was probably like 17 or 18, right? That was for me, like the moment that I realized what steak could be, you know? And and since then I never looked back. Like Mm -hmm. that was, I think when I realized like, oh, beef is awesome (laughs) like ground beef is great you know like i said before the like kind of fajita steak is is also great in in its own context but i hadn't realized the actual like potential of beef to be incredible until that moment yeah you know what that moment was for me Mm -hmm. the first time i had like a really well done not well done but well cooked steak was when you took me to the steakhouse oh really yeah oh i like that that was the first time i'd had like steakhouse steak because i just like i had not eaten meat very much and i certainly had never gone to a steakhouse sure uh and if i did i probably got chicken because i was too intimidated by Mm -hmm. the steak options sure um but we went out to a steakhouse and we got steaks and sides and like the whole works and it was like oh this is what people are talking about yeah that's funny. Well, let's let's talk about that like intimidation of the steakhouse a little bit then, because if we're we're doing a beef episode, this isn't specifically about steak, but like we're on steak. If it's right about now. beef. We're going to talk about steak. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, let's talk a little bit about steaks. So steaks, the like, there's kind of three, I guess, main cuts that the steak can come from on a cow when you go somewhere and you're ordering like a steak ass steak, right? Yeah. And it's either the filet mignon 
or like a rib slash like New York strip, which come from the same kind of central like rib section, but mm-hmm. one is a different cut um or you might get like a flank or something but again like the flank steak is really not ideal for like steak steak yeah you really want kind of yeah you you want like a filet mignon or a ribeye or a new york strip you don't really want anything else as Mm -hmm. a steak itself you know Mm -hmm. in terms of tenderness like they're all fairly tender they're all fairly marbled which is why they're nice to have as like a Mm -hmm. steak ass steak and and when i say a steak ass steak i mean like a thick hunk of meat on the plate that's like (laughs) Maybe a little bloody in the middle still, like juicy, tender enough that you can cut into it with a steak knife, but with enough chew that like it's still like satisfying to eat mm-hmm. it, you know? Mm-hmm. A filet is pretty lean, isn't it? Filet mignon is, is lean, but lean in a tender way, if yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah. it's not, um, yeah, I guess I it's not like marbled necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's it's not tough either, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it a really nice steak for like eating a steak, you know? No. I know when people are going to get a steak. Let's yeah. say it's somebody who like doesn't often cook steak, but they're mm-hmm. having a hot date. They're making dinner for someone sure. they want to really impress. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, they'll go right for the filet, right? Because sure. that's what's in our like cultural context as like the steak, the yeah. fancy steak. It's like fifty bucks a pound. I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> is that, in your opinion, uh, the best choice? No. Uh, and I've said this on the show before. I, I think the filet mignon is a lovely piece of meat. I think it's overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's often more expensive than it's worth. Um, which makes sense. Because if you think about like the amount of filet mignon that exists on any given cow, it is less than the amount of most other like steak cuts, right? Like you get considerably more like rib pieces for mm-hmm. instance or or like you know yeah like it is it's just not like it's not the most present so it ends up being not the most cost effective as well because they have a lot of ribs yeah well and, but and they don't have a like, lot of fillets even like just number of ribs aside it's it's size right it's the tenderloin of the cow yeah. so it's not as big so it's that one muscle in my back that's always messed up <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. and it's like where a cow's ribs are huge the tenderloin is not that huge so well, even if you cut the same number of filet mignon steaks like let's say you get like 15 steaks out of a filet out of the tenderloin and you get 15 rib steaks like mm-hmm. the rib steaks are going to be more satisfying because they're going to be a little bigger yeah. like surface area wise so I, all, all this is to say i think the filet mignon is lovely i just don't think that it's actually like the best steak you can get and if you're going out for steak for the first time or you're like buying steaks to like impress a date you actually might want to consider just getting a ribeye or mm-hmm. or a new york strip like the, the key difference i wouldn't go about that no yeah, I don't know. Like, I, that, that's another one of those ones that to me, it's nice, but I would rather like use it in a stir fry or something. Really? Honestly. I love yeah. the Bevette. Yeah, fair Interesting. enough. Interesting. Okay. I, I just, it's just not my like top choice. Fair enough. It's, at I, least for a steak ass steak. You, you know? like really marbled beef. I do. Yeah? yeah. And I like really beefy beef. Yeah. I feel like that's the distinction in our taste is like, I, like, I love like a, European round roast. Sure. That's like a lean roast that you do and then you cut thin off uh, against the grain. Like that to me is like, if it's like a little juicy, a little bloody, I love that. See, I love that too, but not as a steak. 
Right, this but then the, you like, but then you really like like pot roast, where the fat's gonna like melt yeah. into the meat. Yeah, yeah exactly. I that's feel like it. that's like the distinction because like a round roast tastes really beefy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I do, I do prefer something that's got a little bit more fat on it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, do. But yeah, that's it. So if you're like going to a steakhouse and you don't want to be intimidated and resort to ordering the chicken, which is probably still gonna be good. Let's be real. I would say like aim for the ribeye or the New York strip. Yeah. If you want to like have a really good steak experience. Not that again, a good steakhouse will still have a good filet mignon steak. Like I yeah. can't I can't sit here and act like a filet mignon is not going to be good. I just think you're going to have a better time with something a little bit better marbled. Now, the last time I was at a fancy steakhouse was in April, uh when I was in Las Vegas for a wedding and we mm-hmm. actually recorded an episode while I was in Las Vegas, which some of you might remember. Um, but I was in the wedding party. So for the rehearsal dinner, we went to this like, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's like, it's Vegas. So it's like an imitation of a fancy French sure. uh, 20s style steakhouse. And it's very like, it really seems like the mob could be in there and it's very dimly lit. But it was a prefix menu. Sure. So like, so like, we could just order whatever. Mm. And yeah, I got a filet. I got a filet because it was the smallest option sure. and I can't eat that much meat. Yeah, and yeah. I really, I was like, if I'm getting something really good, I want to be able to eat all of it. Right. I don't want to be leaving anything on the plate here. Um, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Like I'd never had filet at a steakhouse before. And I think this was a very good steakhouse. It came sure. with a little watercress on it. We had Ooh. some like seared Brussels sprouts with it, some garlic mashed potatoes, like... Oh, it was so nice. Yeah, I mean, that's and like the thing. watercress with beef. Mm-hmm. Also, some of you know, some of you have heard my love for watercress. Uh, when I get drunk, I tend to talk about watercress. This is this is like how much I love watercress. Sure. I ended up talking about watercress at that rehearsal dinner before we even knew it was coming on our steaks. Um, it is this peppery, crispy, fresh little green. You can usually get it pretty cheap. And it is just like, like if you like arugula, watercress is what arugula wants to be. Mm. Because it is juicy and snappy and crunchy. Mm -hmm. And it is beautiful with steak. Absolutely gorgeous pairing. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I feel like steak loves like a peppery flavor. Yeah, you know whether that yeah. comes from and something a green, like watercress. Honestly, sure, like beef yeah. and greens go really beautifully together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like uh, beef often, like look, you can get a steak, a nice steak, and just eat the steak, but you're gonna have a better experience if you have like sides that are catered to it too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a like favorite cut of beef, like to your knowledge? <laughs> Ah, because I know you're you're not like I mean look like, like I trained as a butcher yeah <laughs> so I'm, like I know cuts of beef but do you have a cut that you like know you love I am somebody who goes up to the butcher counter panics and goes get something prepackaged sure but I do know like as mentioned before I do really like the European round roast mm-hmm. I love doing like a roast dinner with roasted veggies if I'm talking about like getting a steak for myself I will usually go with filet because I like the lean beefy flavor Mm -hmm. and honestly like I really like flank steak sure I find flank steak really easy to cook Mm -hmm. uh and I find like you want to marinate it because it can get tough yeah um but like a flank steak marinated in like a teriyaki if you throw that Mm -hmm. marinade on overnight and then sear it really nicely that's a really nice piece of beef. Sure, and yeah. so much of it also with the toughness is getting the cook right and then getting the cut 
right. Yeah. Like cutting across the grain is so important mm-hmm. if you're looking for tenderness in beef. Yeah. Does that yeah. answer your question? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I think because I have spent as much time with beef as I have, like both as a consumer and as a like beef professional or whatever. Beef professional. <laughs> this is a sentence. Tom's um, a Latin eye, beef professional. I, I think because I am as intimately familiar with beef as I am. How intimately familiar with beef are, beef are you? In ways that I can't even express on the, on the recording, honestly. How intimately? In ways I will not divulge on recording. Damn. <laughs> but I, I think because of that, it's hard for me to pick a favorite because I like... I like them all so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think if I had to, honestly, like, obviously not for steak purposes, because that's a whole other conversation. But like, I kind of just love ground beef. I think ground beef is like one of my favorite ingredients to, to use for things because it's so like it's it's versatile i guess it's like it's so versatile yeah yeah yeah. because like you you get a pound of ground beef you can make that go a long way and it's usually not crazy expensive because ground beef tends to be the less choice cuts right Mm -hmm. like we said before you know filet mignon ends up being like 50 bucks a pound or like 100 dollars a kilo and like that is expensive you know one like one portion will cost you like 20 bucks maybe 25 Mm -hmm. easily yeah Whereas ground beef, like, usually it's like 10 bucks a pound, maybe, maybe, maybe 20 bucks a pound. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. You can get, like, vi- no, I think 10 bucks a pound seems right, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, honestly, sometimes even five bucks a pound. Like, yeah. you can get very cheap It's sometimes 10, 10 bucks a kilo, even. That, yeah. 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 Well, that's it. So a kilo is about two pounds. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a bit. It's like two 900 is two pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's like two and a half. That much. Two and a quarter, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's like, it's it's cheap, but it's tasty and it's filling and it has the like nutrients that you want from beef and it gives it that like flavor and that body that you want from a dish yeah. that has beef in it without costing you an arm and a leg, which like is important, you know? Like yeah. we, we obviously like you want to get like nice things sometimes, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to get something that reminds you of nice things and like is within your budget yeah you also just like you have to treat ground beef right and if you treat ground beef right it's really good like yeah you you can't forget that ground beef is meat yeah i think often when people are cooking ground beef they forget that it's still beef yeah and as beef you still want to sear it Mm -hmm. like whenever i cook with ground beef i get the pan searing hot i throw it in there i let it get a hard sear yeah i flip it like i get as much surface area as i can and that makes all the difference even if you're just making a pasta sauce like uh, well, you made like that shepherd's pie this week. That's it. That had that smoky, charred, seared flavor to it. Well, and that's the key, right? Is that when you get a pack of ground beef, it tends to be kind of like squished into a lump, right? But because it's ground beef, it's really easy to break that up into little chunks, which you, like you want at some point, right? Like you don't actually want to eat a ground beef steak. It's kind of weird. You don't want to have like Hamburger one big steak. hunk. I guess, yeah. 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 I, I, okay, sure. Fair enough. But that's not but, usually how people use ground beef. No, exactly. Or like, you know, if you're making a burger, yeah, you want to squish it into a patty. But like most of the time with ground beef, if you're going to break it up for the recipe, like I think the instinct is to break it up right away because it cooks a little quicker that way because it's all the little pieces. So there's less surface area, whatever. But actually what you really want to do is get that sear, like you said. So like you want to kind of just put it straight in, (laughs) in like whatever shape that it has from the from the packaging and like 
let that sear develop, let it get that nice flavor because you're not going to be able to get that same sear once it's all broken up. Yeah, you know? exactly. So like you're not going to sear the inside of it most likely, but you can sear the outside and that'll be satisfying. What I usually do is I chuck it in the pan as is and then I kind of squoosh it down with a spatula a little sure. bit and I let that sear a couple minutes and then I flip it, that yeah. whole big honk, and squish it down a little bit more. And by that time, it's actually like pretty thin. Yeah. And so you have gotten a sear on most of it. Yeah, exactly. At least part of most of it, which is That's really it. nice. Um, the other important thing to remember with ground meat of any kind is that the more surface area, the more prone to bacterial development yep. the meat is. <laughs> so if you have a bunch of ground meat, it is going to go off much faster than mm-hmm. other meat. And you have to be much more careful handling it. Yep. And you like... <laughs> Don't want to eat it raw. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. Um, people, well, steak tartare is not ground beef. No. Do not eat ground beef raw. Yeah. It is a bad idea. I will say, in in defense of, like, raw ground beef, if your butcher, if you go to your butcher for steak tartare and they grind it fresh for you on the spot because you want your tartare yeah. ground instead of hand chopped, that is safe. Yeah. You just don't want to like buy ground beef from the store and call it tartare. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to you don't want to have ground meat of unknown provenance yeah. and eat that raw. That's it. That's it. It's the it's the there should be no question about when it was ground. I mean, you should see it ground, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. Like that's Ideally. that's where I'm at with that. I don't eat tartare, but yeah. like I mean, I I'm not averse to it. I sure. just never have. Yeah. But but Yes, um, yeah. this is something that 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 people get food poisoning from. Yeah, I mean, and like, no matter what anybody tells you on the internet, eating raw meat is not going to no, cure all your ills, not. and you'll probably just get scurvy. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Jordan Peterson's in the hospital again for his mm. raw meat diet, isn't he? Oh, somebody got scurvy, but uh, let's keep it positive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Definitely, like, be careful with ground beef. I mean. Uh, it's tricky, right? Because like, beef is one of those meats that you can eat raw, depending on the like quality of it and how well it's been taken care of, right? Like, and how fresh it is, also. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. And that's cool. That's awesome. But like, just be careful. Just make sure that you, just make sure that you at least feel like you know what you're doing, and that the people that you get your meat from know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. Like you want to, you want to know where it's from. You want to know that it's fresh. But yeah, ground beef, good protein. Very good protein. What's your favorite way to have ground beef? Yeah, for me, it's got to be like cooked down into a sauce or like, I think the um, I think the, the shepherd's pie ground beef is like one step away from being sauce for me. So it like almost counts, you know, mm-hmm. like it has to be cooked down as part of something hearty. I mm-hmm. think ground beef gets used as fillings for things a lot. Like, um, like it'll be in empanadas or it'll be in like, uh, you might get it in like a calzone or something. Yeah. Right. And I've seen people use it as a pizza topping and like, they're good, but I don't think it's the optimal use of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think with ground beef, it goes dry really fast. Yeah. So like f- an ingredient, especially a meat that gets dry fast, you don't want it to have that opportunity. Yeah. So for me, like the optimal use of ground beef is anything that keeps it like juicy you yeah. know whether that's like cooking it into a sauce where everything is going to be juicy or like layering it in with stuff that keeps it like moist and, yeah. and together you know yeah, it's that surface area thing again yeah exactly yeah yeah that's it like I don't I don't even really like like ground beef tacos that much like I'll do it because it's classic and but I'll try to keep the ground beef kind of like a little saucy mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the serving dish or whatever so that it's not just like 
loose dry beef because loose dry <laughs> beef is exactly as good as it sounds right loose dry beef <laughs> if i'm gonna eat dry beef i want it to be like jerky which is a whole other conversation. You a know? whole other conversation. <laughs> wow, beef is a very large topic. It is. Well, it's a very large animal, oh. too. Now, Tom, why are we talking about beef today? We're talking about beef because it's Noshvember, everybody. Noshvember is our brand new, maybe annual, we'll see how this year goes, Instagram uh, photo challenge. Mm-hmm where we post photos or drawings or videos every day of the month of November with a different food. The food for today, the 7th of November, is beef. So I thought it would be fun to kind of tie that in and, you know, talk and beef today. We encourage you to participate in Noshvember. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us your favorite way to eat a beef yeah. on Instagram. Um, and and throw that hashtag Noshvember and maybe for safe maybe to be on the safe side also throw on the no bad food pod hashtag Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll share your post and we'll be able to all share our food knowledge because food is community people yeah tag us tag us is the the best way to make sure we see it thank you that's helpful that was the right I do this for a living that's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, speaking of helping us, should we pop over to the mid-roll for a second and tell them about some more ways they can help Ooh, us? Ooh, yeah! Oh, segue. Oh, mid-roll time! Moo, baby, moo. Hey, what's up, you butts? It's Noshvember. It's the mid-roll. What's up, you cows? Are you enjoying the show? <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome. <laughs> it's the mirror. If you're enjoying the show so far, you babu. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of Noshvember, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of beef, no, of food, to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six. So if that math is exciting for you, hoof it on over and set leave a review. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Yeah, boy. We haven't gotten a new review in a little while. I was going to read you a review, but we haven't gotten one in a bit. So maybe fix that Leave a review and maybe we'll read it. Yeah. We got one more thing to tell you about here in the Midroll. The thing here in the Midroll is the merchandise. Do you like merchandise? We have merchandise. Merchandising. Merchandising. You can get some from our store, the Podcavern Merch Store. That's our merch store for our network, the Podcavern Network. You can get a hat. You can get an apron. Get a mug. Get a cow. Get a cow. Put a cow and a bear. Yay. Yay. We're really good at this. Let's do it. Okay, we're back, folks, here for the second half of the show. Now, usually in the second half of the show, we like to talk a little bit about our favorite recipes and our favorite ways to eat things. And uh, beef is a tough one for that because, like we said at the top of the show, there's a bunch of it. Right? Beef big, cow big. So many cows. So many beef. Huge cow, huge beef. Many, many beef. Yeah. But uh, we've already talked a little about, like, some of our favorite uses for beef. But I am wondering, like, what is, I guess, the best beef you've ever had? Do you have that, like, locked and loaded? Not necessarily your, you know, FBM, your formative beef memory. (laughs) But, like, if you had to think of, like, you know, either the best beef you've ever had or like one of the most like exciting ways you've had beef prepared for you. 
or just like one of the most exciting ways for you to prepare beef, really? Sure. Um, I don't think that I have like specifically the best beef I've ever had. I've had a sure. few very good beefs in yeah. my time. Um, but one beef that kind of like shook things up for me a little mm-hmm. bit was bulgogi. Sure. The first time I had bulgogi. So uh, my best friend in high school, Eunice, one of my co-hosts on Yeah, um, her is Korean and her mom would make for like any school function just this like incredible bulgogi. She's mm. an incredible cook. She, like everything she makes is delicious. And um, and she would bring it to school functions or Eunice would bring it in her lunch and I would like steal, like at some point Eunice had to be like, you know, this is my lunch. <laughs> you have to stop eating my lunch. Because, oh my God, it's so good. So in case you don't know, and if you don't know, I'm so sorry for you. You'd better go look this up. But bulgogi is a Korean dish. It's a, a barbecued b- beef um done in a marinade of uh that has like soy sauce ginger garlic um it's sweet it's uh very umami um and then it's grilled so it's got that smokiness and it is so good i think it's often done with ribs like rib meat yeah so so i was actually about to say it's important to note here like we talked about a bunch of different cuts that are nice like steak cuts earlier and bulgogi is often made with those kinds of cuts so it'll be like sirloin or ribeye or sometimes even brisket Mm -hmm. will be used for uh for bulgogi so it's all these cuts that are really beautifully marbled and really tasty yeah yeah. Um, and it is just delicious. And I remember having that for the first time and just being like, this is like nothing else I've ever had. Um, and it really started like a love affair with like grilled meats in marinade sure. for me. Yeah. Uh, and to this day, like like making a, a bulgogi type or a teriyaki type marinade is like one of my favorite ways to cook. Yeah, I, I love it. I the Koreans know how to do beef. Oh, I think. Like yes. between between bulgogi and like um the Korean short ribs. I'm, I'm yeah, forgetting Kalbi? about the gabi. Yeah. yeah, like between those two, I'm like, you've got it. You've got it fucking figured out. Like, if yeah. you can have two absolutely brilliant beef dishes that use different cuts of beef, yeah, like and that can go well together on a plate, like you got that shit locked down. Yeah, I absolutely. love that. It's so good. Um, <laughs> and you can also like get bulgogi like in japje mm-hmm. or like, like, yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah, no, that's definitely like. That's I also one love the... japje, but this is the 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 beef episode, so I'll save that for a noodle episode. <laughs> but you know, uh, beef japje, absolutely valid. So you know, contribution to the beef episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think for me, like, this is a tough one because again, like, I have such a deep love for this animal and all of its like parts and all of their uses. But if I had to pick like a recent like or maybe not even recent, actually. Like, this is not that recent at all. Uh, but one that, like, stands out in my mind, like, above the rest, it's um, when you go to a Brazilian steakhouse and they do the, like... I know, I bring this up a lot. You bring this, this up, is, like, every other episode. I know! It's because I, I love I love a churrascaria. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you go in there and the waiters come up to your table and they shave meat onto your plate. And, like, that, that, like, beef shaved onto my plate like perfectly flame grilled it doesn't matter what cut it is i'll still enjoy i'll enjoy it that much right um and so for me it's the flamed grilled beef flame grilled beef is like the like optimum the optimal beef for me i think like no matter what the cut even a burger like i love burger king (laughs) you know not just because they paid me a bunch of money to be in commercials but like i genuinely like the like something that tastes like fire 
yeah. and beef at the same yeah. time is like perfection to me. I yeah. love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one thing I want to touch on while we're talking about beef that I think um, is important because like we often talk about Often when people talk about beef, they talk about the meat industry and how cattle farming, the way <laughs> cattle farming is done now is really um, uh, bad for the environment, bad sure. for the planet, bad for rainforests. And that is true. Many things about the way like f- factory, I mean, factory farming is bad, like capitalism, <laughs> food production yeah. does not work. Yeah. However, one thing that I really appreciate about beef and about cows is that like, there is so much use of the whole animal. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the cow is an animal that like people eat every part of it. Yeah. And like, you know, with oxtail soup, with um, using the tripes for for pho, mm-hmm. eating the tongue, yeah. like cattle are big animals. And because they are big animals, it makes it easier to butcher it down and really really use every part of it yeah um and i really like that you know you Mm -hmm. use the the bones and make a lovely stock like you really can use most of the animal yeah well and and like to add on to that even like cow byproducts can be extremely useful right like Mm -hmm. their dung can be used as fertilizer Mm -hmm. some people will use it as fuel as well Mm -hmm. and like say what you will about that it is like it is neat that you know it can be used in these purposes as well. And then obviously like we don't even have to mention milk (laughs) and all of the like myriad uses of of milk and dairy products in the world. And cattle were farmed and eaten sustainably for many, many, many generations Mm -hmm. before factory farming. Yeah. Um, 10,000 years at least. (laughs) I was reading the other night. Yeah. Like it's, it's genuinely been like 10, like over 10,000 years that we have been like, farming domesticating cattle of some kind obviously not the cows that we have today like those are a couple centuries old i think in comparison but like you know aurochs or whatever like ten thousand years ago humans were doing shit with them because they they were they were eating them and and tending them and farming them they're strong gentle animals that make good byproducts and make good eating when it's time for that and um that's really valuable it's a really valuable animal um i love cows like we've talked about cows before i have a deep affinity for cows yeah but there's a reason that they have historically been a symbol of wealth right Mm -hmm. because they are extremely valuable they provide a lot and yeah there is a distinction between the kind of capitalist factory farming that has no respect for the animal and no respect for the planet and sustainable agriculture where mm-hmm. people and animals are living and working together and you know in harmony with the yeah. planet which has been done for a very long time and I, I hate the narrative that allows industrial farming to be the only kind of farming yeah because that is something that the like agrocapitalism has done mm-hmm. um, saying this is the only way to farm this is the only way to provide for people and it's not yeah and you know, all you have to do is look back, you know, a hundred years yeah. to see how it's been done. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you know, look at the many, 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 many farms and communities that are still doing it. Well, that's the thing, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't even have to look back a hundred years. Yeah, Because yeah, exactly. there, there are people, like, especially, like, you'll find, like, artisan cheesemakers and, like, you know, small dairy farmers who, like, make, you know, have maybe, like, 20 cows. 
Yeah. Right? Like Max and will, you know, treat them well and and raise them and have cows that they raise for milk and have cows they raise for meat and like just go sell their shit at the farmer's yeah. market. And like for them, it's a living. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, like, giant capitalist machine. It's not creating this whole company where they, like, you know, push tons and tons of meat out the door. It's it's just, here is what we do. Yeah. We do our thing. Yeah. We make the cheese. We, we butcher the cows. We have good products, mm-hmm. right? And that is, I mean, we've said it once. We've said it a thousand times on this show. A return to artisan farming and, and ranching is, like extremely necessary for for us to like fight capitalism and fight the like massive effects that it has on our planet and really local production yeah that's like that's huge i mean for me that's like kind of the center of my Mm -hmm. like food ethics is that local production producing food within your community as much as possible is the way to manage the effects because if you're producing your food within your community you're seeing the effects on your immediate environment and you're going to curb those effects because it's not pleasant well exactly yeah (laughs) that's it I, i think for me like Local and artisanal go almost hand in hand Absolutely. to some extent, yeah, right? Like yeah. where you, like, yeah, like artisan cheesemakers are going to be, you know, sending some of their wares to like the next province over or whatever, but like not, not with the goal of sending it all over the world necessarily, right? More just with a goal of like, hey, they found out that they like our cheese in Ontario. Sure, we'll send some cheese over there once a month, you know? There's also a very big difference, I think, um, between producing cheese for global distribution mm-hmm. and producing milk yeah. for global dis- yeah. distribution or producing beef yeah. for, for uh, sorry, I'm saying local, but I mean international distribution. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, because cheese, it's it's a cultured product. Mm-hmm. You know, think about Star- Stardew Valley. Sure. It's a second step <laughs> product. Yeah. It's a product that keeps, it's a product that's fairly easy to transport. Mm-hmm. It is, it is not that difficult Mm -hmm. to distribute more widely Mm -hmm. whereas and it also is something that you know cheese has terroir terroir it has like the local flavor is important whereas milk beef there is terroir for sure but it's not going to be like as significant yeah you know i mean there's kobe beef of course sure (laughs) (laughs) there's always going to be luxury products yeah but i would love it if sort of having if it was all luxury products, right? Like right. if it was like Kobe beef is always a luxury product because yeah. the cows raised there are wonderful. Yeah. How cool would it be if it was like, oh yeah, like Quebec beef, Ontario beef, like here are the differences mm. because of how they're farmed or how they're raised or sure. they have to be yeah. smaller because there's less land to graze on or, mm. you know. Because that's yeah. the other thing is that like Holsteins, which are the cows that are most commonly farmed, um, are huge. They're enormous animals right. that have been bred to have a lot of uh, meat on them and to produce a lot of milk. Um, whereas if you look at the heritage breeds of cows like Jerseys, which are my favorites, um, they're smaller. They produce less, but they produce richer milk. Uh, there's less on them, but because of that, they don't need as much pasture. Right. They don't. You don't need to clear cut forests. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's that's my my whole. Sp- I just felt like I wanted to address it because yeah. if we don't address it, somebody is going to address of course, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's it. and it's like yeah, neither of us are are cattle farmers. Like no. we we know as much as we do because we care. 
but yeah. we don't we're not experts on this right and like, some of yeah. us are related to farmers <laughs> yeah well yeah. that, that yeah. too yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like we we know we know things but we don't know everything about this yeah so like we can't really speak to it like from a super super informed place mm-hmm. but like yeah as a general rule like anything that is smaller in production scale is going to have a smaller impact on the planet and be more like immediately focused on the people around it and like that's awesome like not even just for environmental purposes but for community purposes right where you will have that relationship with the farmers yeah that goes a long way yeah you if you know the farmer you i mean you can trust the farmer a little bit more or you hopefully won't. yeah <laughs> it's true you might you might know the farmer and the farmer might be a dick <laughs> like that's that's yeah. also fair but like you you have more information and that helps right like everything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. makes a difference well and like i mean Cows used to be grazed on the city common, right? right? Like you used to literally (laughs) walk past your local cows that you were then going to buy from your butcher. Right. If you're walking past your local cows on the city common, you know how those cows are getting treated. (laughs) There is no ambiguity. You know what those cows are eating. Yeah. There is no ambiguity. Yeah. A little bagel Um, that you give them on the way. And like, (laughs) especially because like, like I grew up around pastured cattle. I think they were mostly dairy cattle. And so it's so weird for me to think about the kind of dairy farming that is cows in a barn for their whole life. Right. You know, but when cows are in a barn for their whole life, nobody's seeing them. You're not seeing mm-hmm. what they're eating. You're not, you don't, there's no trust there. Right. It's, it's all behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, and then you have people thinking butchering animals is gross or things like that sure. because there's no comfort with it. There's no right. familiarity with it. And um, I just think, I think familiarity with your food and with the whole food process is so important, not just from an ethical standpoint, from but from like a nourishment mm-hmm. standpoint. Yeah. Like I think knowing where you are in the food chain is a very healing thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it like it it might sound a little silly, but like it does on a spiritual level connect us a little bit more to the food that we eat and to the earth. Yeah. Like, because I think that we, the whole issue with the post-industrial world is that we're all so removed from the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Beef. So, beef. Beef, people. <laughs> beef. Uh, it stands for be everywhere, eternally thank- food. thankful. With an F. <laughs> eternally thankful for the food that you're you're getting and the and the relationship that you have to it you know can you make that into an instagram graphic so we can post it so that's it folks beef it's it's a beautiful thing beef the change you wish to see in the world beef what you want to beef and let the words, words fall. fall out honestly i want to beef you see brave <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm going to go take a little nippy nap. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Guys, tell us about your favorite beef. Tell us about the beef you like and the beef you ate. Tell us about the beef you make and the favorite cuts you have. Tell us everything that you know about beef Hashtag on Noshvember. And Twitter. That's it. Noshvember us on, on Instagram. Tweet at us if you want to be part of the conversation. You can hit us up on the Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod and individually 
I'm at Tom Zalatni. And I'm at Tefferbear. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as one cow per month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome cows, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this with a friend, maybe a friend who like beef. Yeah, share with your most beefy liking friend. Our theme music is by Zach Moo Cow Ingles, and our cover art is by David in Cyberland. We only drink Diet Coke. Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. Last but certainly not least, this show is produced by me and Taffer and edited by me as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. Moo moo. Happy Noshvember. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Report. Set collection. Discrepancy straight-lined, Moth said. Meet Moth. Moth travels everywhere and every when in search of often deadly discrepancies and tries to make sense of the briefs she gets from collection. There were holes in the brief, you know. I don't like that. The Moth Collection Podcast. It's science fiction with a little bit of horror. It's weird and funny and romantic, and there won't be another season. 14 episodes, and that's it, people. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Podcavern. What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It's, it's,